You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet, coming to you from Greeley, Colorado, for episode 333. We are one-third of the way to 1,000 episodes. Will we make it? Well, I guess you'll just have to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can go to GarrettAshleyMulletShow.com, TheGarrettAshleyMulletShow.com, and sign up for email alerts when new episodes drop. You can also follow this podcast on Facebook and Twitter. But I think we'll get there. Lord willing, God willing, we will get there. Today, I want to talk about conspiracy theories. I have been accused a time or two of being kind of a conspiracy guy. I won't tell you who said that about me. I did not hear it directly. I heard it secondhand that I was not entirely thrilled to be referred to as a conspiracy guy, particularly given the fact that the person who was calling me that has been known to believe a conspiracy or two. Maybe it was a badge of honor for me to be referred to as a conspiracy guy. I don't know. I really don't think so. Not usually. Not usually. It's not usually a compliment when somebody says you're a conspiracy theorist. Usually it's a way of saying... You are not entirely acquainted with reality and how things work. You're a little bit, shall we say, off in your analysis, in who you trust, who you listen to, how you see things. And just quite frankly, I think that people who are too quick to dismiss a concern that something is going on beneath the surface are themselves a little off. And I feel a bit sad for them, uh, quite frankly, because there's a naivety in believing the official narrative about everything as a matter of course, dismissing out of hand any concerns that, hey, maybe we're not getting the full story. Maybe there's a little bit more to what's going on than what we've been led to believe, whether because the people we listen to don't quite put the things together, don't quite connect the dots, or whether because the people we're listening to have a vested interest in the dots not being connected the way that they really should be. Either way, it is a good idea to be acquainted with human nature along the lines of God's Word. God's Word is full of examples, full of anecdotes, wherein the person being examined, the narrative being presented to us as the reader of God's Word, his inspired word, his infallible, perfect, and divinely revealed word. Uh, the person being shown to us, the character sketch being drawn, includes an element of deception. Now, sometimes that deception is self-imposed, as in the person doesn't even realize that they're deceiving themselves and others. They are just not acquainted with reality as it is for whatever reason. 
But quite often, what you find in God's word from Genesis to Revelation is that people will deceive one another. People do sometimes lie, and this is because people are not inherently good. People lie. People hide their true motives. As a famous man once said, a man always has two reasons for doing something. The reason he tells you and the real reason. My grandpa Mullet was fond of that quote from J.P. Morgan, famous financier, banker, very wealthy man, very powerful man. My grandpa Mullet liked to quote him on that point anyways. A man always has two reasons for doing anything, a good reason and the real reason, or, if you will, the reason he tells you and the real reason. But the folks who don't believe in anything that is called a conspiracy theory should be careful. It's too easy to wave off something you should be concerned about, whether because you really want to trust the person who's saying, oh, no, that's a conspiracy theory. No, 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 that's not a real thing. That's not something to be worried about. We should not be too quick to trust the folks who call everything troubling and concerning a conspiracy theory. We just shouldn't. How do they know, right? How do they know that it's just a conspiracy theory? And also, I mean, which part of conspiracy theory is so objectionable to us? Does it concern us that sometimes there are conspiracies? Are we not believing that? Do we not believe that conspiracies ever are a fact? Or is it the theory part? We don't like theories. We are uncomfortable with theorizing. We just want the facts. Well, very often, whatever you call what is dismissed in the mainstream media as a conspiracy theory, whatever you call it, whatever it really, really is, it will have some presentation of the facts. So take, for instance, The Enemy Within. China, The Enemy Within, a new documentary series at The Daily Wire. I just watched it slash listened to it yesterday while working. Got through all five episodes over the course of the morning. Had to pause it now and then when calls came in or when I really needed to focus on a given task. But you really should check out China, The Enemy Within, and acquaint yourself with decades worth of, shall we say, troubling facts, which taken together do not paint a pretty picture of our situation with regards to the People's Republic of China. The Chinese Communist Party, also known as the CCP for short, has been trying to get influence with American politicians, with American academics, with our major athletic leagues, and with Hollywood for the past 30 years, 30 years plus. And when I say they've been trying, what I mean is they've been succeeding. They've been trying and succeeding to get 
their way. I mean, it's, I, I, I'm looking for a more sophisticated word, but they, they've been trying to have their way with our country for the past 30 years, and they've been succeeding in part by preying on the self-interest and the dishonesty uh, which many are willing to accept in their own hearts and their own souls in exchange for money, in exchange for power, in exchange for influence. So you take, for instance, this whole COVID pandemic and money that was spent, taxpayer money that was spent to fund research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in Wuhan, China. And all of a sudden we've got this global pandemic or so we're told and real people have gotten sick, real people have died. I know plenty of people who have had COVID. We've had COVID, at least my wife had COVID. She tested positive. I tried to catch it from her. I don't know if I'd had it sooner or earlier or before she had it. I don't know, but I couldn't seem to catch it from her. But we had COVID. We've had plenty of friends and family who have had COVID. Almost all of them have been okay. Lots of mild cases, a couple of real uh, stiff punch to the gut cases that we know of, long, hard recovery, but mostly mild cases, one death that I know of, or at least one death from somebody that I was reasonably close to. I should say that my wife has had one death on her side of the family that we know of. And as of yesterday morning, I found out that there has been one death on my side of the family. My cousin, Amanda Fenton, uh, she passed away at the beginning of February. Last post I saw when I went and looked her back up again, I hadn't reconnected with her since getting back on Facebook Christmas of last year. But I sought her out after getting a text from my brother the night before last. And so I'm looking at her Facebook page, January 28th. She says she just checked into the hospital with double pneumonia. And they were expecting her to be there for eight days. And it wasn't getting worse, but she didn't feel great either. And any prayers would be appreciated. And then the next thing you know, some other member of the family is posting on her Facebook her obituary. And I'll be honest with you, I, I wasn't as close with my cousin Amy as I should have liked. I haven't been close with anybody on my mother's side of the family for my entire life, really. Probably the closest I got to anybody on that side was my grandmother Renu before she passed away a few years ago. But my cousin Amy was definitely the cousin that I was closest to. And I am very sad that she's gone. And I don't take it lightly. I don't think I've taken COVID lightly. But the flip side is we can't be so afraid of death that we stop living. We can't be so afraid of death that we just shut 
the world down indefinitely. That's not okay. That's not an acceptable way to operate. It's not sustainable. So COVID is a real thing. And I know that. And I have known that. And I was on board like everybody was. I think, I think everybody was on board early on when this was declared a pandemic. And we were told 15 days to slow the spread. And the trouble with believing the official narrative is that it has been switched. It's, it's been made opposite uh, several times on several key important crucial points. And people can say, well, the science changed and we learned more and we found out more. But the more that comes out, the less that seems to be the case. And particularly where you've had scientists and medical professionals and researchers who have been silenced as they tried to bring facts forward, observations forward, studies and research forward, questioning some of the claims that were being made by the people with the biggest titles and the biggest microphones and the best connections in the media. I think it would go a long ways to explain my skepticism towards the official narrative on COVID and the official policies on COVID if you all went out and read Destiny of the Republic by Candace Millard. Uh, Candace Millard is one of my favorite authors as far as history goes. She does a really wonderful job. I've read three books by her. All of them were wonderful. Uh, Destiny of the Republic was the first one. And it is the story, the seldom told story, never told anywhere else that I had heard, story of James Garfield, President James Garfield. He was not in office very long before a disgruntled office seeker who was angry at not being appointed to some high lofty station like he thought he had a right to be appointed to, uh, attempted to assassinate Garfield in a train station, walked up to him and shot him and ultimately was unsuccessful. And you would think, well, Garfield died. And so it would seem that the assassin was successful, but no, no, no. The, the bullet is not what killed President Garfield. What killed President Garfield was the arrogance of an egotistical doctor who insisted that this was his moment to shine and he knew better than everybody else. And all the while, the stupid things he was doing, he was probing for this bullet that wasn't going to be fatal. If you would have just left the bullet alone instead of probing for it repeatedly with dirty fingers and dirty implements, in unsanitary conditions, like at the train station, if you just would have left the bullet alone, Garfield could have lived out the rest of his days. He would have had a little bit of a recovery to go through, healing from the wound, but it wouldn't have gotten infected. And do you know what killed Garfield? Infection killed Garfield. Infection. Because a certain egotistical doctor thought that germ theory was a lot of hokum. He thought that it was absurd. Who believes in that kind of quackery? No way. 
I can stick my finger in this wound and look for the bullet. And, oh, yeah, I could stick it in there again. And I'm going to do it every day. And I'm going to keep introducing infection until the president of the United States dies a slow, painful, long and drawn out death. Not because of the bullet, but because of the infection. There was another doctor who was attending Garfield initially. And this other doctor believed in germ theory and he was trying to follow protocols and be wise about it. But he was summarily dismissed by the doctor who ended up being the primary physician for the two and a half months that it took for Garfield to die. Now, there was some knowledge of antiseptics, but few doctors had any confidence in antiseptics. Dr. Willard Bliss, who attended Garfield, thought it was a lot of quackery, at least as I recall. That's what I remember from reading Candace Millard's book. Fascinating book. You should absolutely read it. But the point here is that imagine, imagine this being somebody you love and you care about. And you start saying, hey, you know what? I realize he's been shot. This is very serious. We're taking it very seriously. But you can't go sticking your dirty fingers in the wound or it's going to get infected. You can't go sticking your dirty metal probes in the wound to try and fish for the bullet because it's going to get infected. You can't go doing that and then having the attendant physician say, oh, absolutely not. You're anti-science. You need to trust the experts. I am a doctor. You're not a doctor. No, no, no. At a certain point, if you were being maligned, excluded, shut out of the process, you would get pretty frustrated. And you might start looking for some kind of an explanation, some kind of a reason why this doctor didn't want you to have a say in the treatment of your loved one. You might try and present facts. You might say, well, hey, wait a second. Okay, look at this study, right? Look at this here. This research has concluded XYZ. Let me try and persuade you, or let me try and persuade the other people who are involved in the decision here as to whether you should treat my loved one or someone else should. And you bring the facts forward, and then all of a sudden you're being maligned by powerful people, being maligned in the press as a conspiracy theorist, or anti science, or a science denier, or not taking this seriously, or whatever. At a certain point, you'd start saying, well, hey, wait a second. Okay, this doesn't add up at all. Actually, if we're all for the science here, and we're all for taking this seriously and getting on board, well, then you guys should want to take a look at what I'm bringing to the discussion. You should want to explore these things, and there's certainly no evidence that I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm just trying to make sure we're double-checking our math before we do something that might be ineffective at best or might be more dangerous than the initial malady. According to the Wikipedia article on James Garfield, that bullet wound in our day would be so minor as to have the president 
leaving the hospital in two to three days. Two to three days he would have been out and about. It was not the bullet wound that killed Garfield. It was a poor treatment plan coupled with an arrogant dismissal of concerns from other physicians. And you can say, well, okay, yeah, that's unfortunate. Not a conspiracy. But what is a conspiracy is the silencing of dissent, the silencing of theories about where COVID came from, alternative treatments, a questioning of the official numbers and statistics in terms of death toll, particularly when it was found that numbers were being inflated in some places for political purposes. You had activist researchers and bureaucrats trying to inflate the numbers in the right places so as to oust Republicans, especially Donald Trump, from office in an election year. Locking things down, putting COVID patients in nursing homes and killing tens of thousands of elderly people, almost as if to try to kill as many people as possible. Because, boy howdy, if I can declare an emergency here, I can get access to funds because my state is going bankrupt, because we have a government solution to everything, and we tax wealth out of our district, out of our jurisdiction. Hey, I get on the cover of magazines, and I get interviewed, and I get book deals. The more people in my state die, and the more brave and take charge I seem in the midst of this crisis. Let's have some more crisis. Yeah. But this documentary series from The Daily Wire is really worth your time. Because what it would appear is that China unleashed a bioweapon on the world. And that the likes of Dr. Fauci facilitated the development of that bioweapon, helped to cover up their role in creating that bioweapon, helped to cover up the fact that China had done this thing and tried to destroy any scientist or medical professional or politician who wanted to talk about it. And then you come to Biden and you come to characters like Senator Feinstein from California, who used to be the mayor of San Francisco and developed a very cozy relationship with the mayor of Shanghai in China, who would also be the president of China for a period of eight years, I believe it was, as memory serves. She pushed for, as part of her special friendship with the mayor of Shanghai, most favored nation status for China. And then you come to politicians like Joe Biden and Bill Clinton. And what starts to emerge is a very corrupt relationship between Democrat lawmakers, Democrat politicians in particular, not just, also Republicans, but Democrat politicians in particular, and the Chinese Communist Party, selling out American national interest, whether we're talking about economic interest or we're talking about national security. Either way, and both are very closely related, 
Democrat politicians, Democrat lawmakers and bureaucrats, and yes, also Republicans, benefited financially from making decisions that made China stronger at the expense of America. Whether we're talking about as a whole or we're talking about individuals, the middle class in America was sold out to China because American businessmen wanted cheap labor and inexpensive manufactured goods. Our secrets were given to the Chinese. Our technology, our intellectual property, Hollywood to try and stop bootlegging piracy of their movies, invited the CCP in to be investors in Hollywood. And if you thought that your trouble with the CCP was bad before, when they were just pirating your movies, boy, howdy, did you make a deal with the devil? And now they get to approve your scripts and they get to make your movie stars apologize if they dare to say that Taiwan is a country, for instance. See John Zena. You can even make the jacket change to not show the flag of Japan or the flag of Taiwan in the sequel to Top Gun, all because Hollywood wanted access to Chinese markets and Hollywood cared more about making money than protecting this country, protecting our way of life. They loved money above all things. And the love of money, as God's word says, is the root of all kinds of evil. And whether we're talking about episode one, two, three, four, or five of this docuseries, China, the Enemy Within, what's at the root of it again and again is the love of money. You have academics being paid off to bring research from American universities to China. You have the NBA being paid off to muzzle coaches and owners and players if they would be critical of China's crackdown on Hong Kong. Democracy dies in darkness, the Washington Post says. You would think that was a caution, but it's a promise. <laughs> it's not a, hey, we're here to help save democracy. It's a, hey, we're here to turn off the lights. Because the media has been a major part of the cover-up here. Because the same people that own these big corporations, who donate to these politicians, who have sold out America to China, also own the newspapers and the TV stations and the social media companies. It's an election year, 2020, and Hunter Biden forgets to pick up his laptop from a computer repair store. And on the laptop is evidence galore of corruption of the worst kind on the part of Joe Biden, who is running for president. And Twitter and Facebook suppress the New York Post story. Until after the election. After the election, okay, yeah, yeah, maybe we should have not deleted posts, censored them, prevented people from being able to share them. I tried, actually. It would not let me. This is when I was still on Twitter. Twitter would not let me share 
the article. We have found that this may include Russian disinformation or whatever, whatever the writer said, whatever the little alert said. And so we find, again, the term conspiracy theorist was used to shut people up. And then we find that the things that they were saying actually turned out to be true. So at what point does the conspiracy theorist label become its own kind of conspiracy theory? Everything that troubles me, everything that concerns me, everything that worries me or unsettles me or makes me feel like, hey, maybe something's wrong here. Maybe we need an intervention in American politics. Maybe we need an intervention with, with American corporations, with our American media, with our American sports leagues, with our American education system. Everything that makes me feel like we might have an intervention needed is a conspiracy theory. Ah, but wait, what if this labeling of every expose of corruption is itself a conspiracy? What if? What then? Is it the theory part that we're uncomfortable with or is it the conspiracy part? We believe people are inherently good. Oh, no, no. They would never do that. See, see how smiling they are. See how important they look. See how nice they are. How sweetly they sniff the children and the wives and mothers and sisters of people they are having press conferences with. Sometimes conspiracy theories turn out to be conspiracy facts. And sometimes we need to be a little slower on the draw, dismissing people who bring things to our attention that are troubling, because we might just be shooting the messenger. I have done episodes here recently concerning Bill Maher, and it's funny to me, I watched this docuseries at the Daily Wire yesterday morning, and then... I'm clicking around and just checking the news throughout the day. And they're at theblaze.com and the Daily Wire. And I think not the B as well. Those are my three primary news sources here lately. But I think all three of them highlighted Bill Maher in one of his monologues, taking to task LeBron James, John Cena, American media, American politicians, higher education, running interference for the Chinese Communist Party, along very, very similar lines to this Daily Wire docuseries. One has to wonder, actually, if Bill Maher watched this Daily Wire docuseries. And wouldn't that be funny? But in all seriousness, what it comes down to is that I see headlines also at the Daily Wire, for instance. This is bigger than Watergate. Everything we know about the Durham filing on exploited servers. I see that. I see the attack on Joe Rogan is an attack on dissent. And ostensibly, the terrorism he is accused of engaging in is spreading 
misinformation, so-called maldis and misinformation about COVID, which is to say anything that the Biden administration doesn't want you to talk about or know regarding COVID. I also see how Bill Gates secretly partnered with China and sold out the American people. Again, American corporations wanted access to Chinese markets, and in exchange, they were willing to sell out their own country because they think of themselves as global citizens. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's a conspiracy fact. That's legitimate. That's a real problem. That's a real issue. That's not made up. That's not make-believe. If I scroll down, I see Senator Tuberville focusing on China, more important than Russia. They want to rule the world. Former ambassador to Russia is quoted as saying that this could be the largest conventional war in Europe since 1939. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson warns Putin planning to launch biggest war in Europe since 1945. The long and short of it is we are facing the very real prospect of World War III with Russia and China. And if Russia and China, then also Iran and North Korea. China, for its part, cataloged our military hardware in Afghanistan when Biden just abandoned everything, just dropped everything and ran, withdrawing military personnel before withdrawing civilian personnel. And we still, I am quite sure, have hundreds, possibly, of American personnel, men, women, and children, in Afghanistan, if they're still alive, if they haven't been tortured and brutally murdered by the Taliban and Al-Qaeda at ISIS-K, and China for that matter. We are looking at the very real prospect of a major, read, biggest war in our lifetime. And I think when Bill Maher starts going after LeBron James and John Cena and Eileen Gu for kowtowing to China, you're starting to see both moderate leftists and Republicans agree that China is a major problem. Russia is a major problem. It's going to be Russia and China against the rest of the world with the exception of Iran and North Korea. And we can't be fighting one another if we hope to win a war for the future of the world with powers like Russia and China, what they're capable of, what they're willing to do, what they will be willing to do. We have not seen, arguably, for 80 years and possibly ever because the potential there with cyber warfare, the potential with nuclear weapons, the potential with cyber terrorism, and even bioweapons now, I think. I think COVID was the first volley in World War III. The potential is going to take everything that we've got to remain free because that potential will be utilized. The means will be justified by the ends which China and Russia have in mind. The crazy thing is, conspiracies do happen. And Russia and China have been conspiring out in the open. 
And so also we've known the whole reason why we have counterintelligence is because we know that we know that we know that conspiracies sometimes happen on our soil, among our people of influence, among our people of power and wealth. Sometimes conspiracies turn out to be facts. Conspiracy to commit murder. Conspiracy to defraud. Conspiracy, conspiracy, conspiracy. People do conspire. They plan. Premeditated, when it's an individual, is a conspiracy when it's a group, when it's a cabal. We are dealing with very sophisticated cabals of people who want to take over the world. And if we're simple-minded in our thinking because we're cowards or because we don't want to be bothered or because it's uncomfortable and we love nothing so much as our own comfort, whether it's greed for unjust gain, we need to be thinking medium and long-term about the implications of letting conspiracy go unchecked uncountered, uncorrected, unopposed. Eileen Gu is a piece of Chinese propaganda. Born in America, raised in America, decides to compete for China. And she has made a great deal of money. And she's symbolic. She's indicative also of where we find ourselves. She's a beautiful woman. Beautiful woman. And that is part of the value that the CCP sees in her. She's a beautiful piece of propaganda to showcase China's ascent and America's being dumped. Eileen Gu dumped America because China was offering more. I would not be shocked in the slightest, in the least, if Los Angeles being the home of Super Bowl 56, the same corporations which want access to Chinese markets, which are willing to spread positive images of China and Chinese people, and more to the point, the Chinese Communist Party, the Chinese Communist system. I would not be shocked if those international corporations wanting to continue having access to Chinese markets wanting to continue having the goodwill of the Chinese Communist Party, didn't trot out as many ugly people to be in their commercials as they could possibly find as a kind of punitive propaganda. Hey, America, you're not beautiful anymore. You know who is beautiful? Eileen Gu. Oh, did we mention she's playing for China in the Beijing Olympics, and she's going to win the gold. Okay, bye. That's all. TikTok, meanwhile. I'm going to play a brief clip of a theory with regards to TikTok, which is a Chinese company. I'm going to play this for you and ask yourself whether this doesn't sound entirely plausible, particularly when we're talking about a ruthless regime with global ambitions and America standing in the way of its global ambitions. Take a listen. That's why the TikTok thing was a big deal, because it was a social media platform we didn't create. So it's like, oh, shit, we don't want some other country's tech influencing us. Because apparently, like, 
in China, the way that the algorithm works, it doesn't reward people doing stupid dances and like playing with their dog. The algorithm is rewarding things that they want to see their youth do. So people doing cool engineering shit, oh, that's so people funny. doing cool oh, really? science shit. Oh. But if you're China and you wanted to disrupt another country, oh, wow. wouldn't you reward the dumbest possible shit yeah. on that app? Twerking. Twerking. People doing stupid dances. No you want the next level of youth to go, I can be famous doing something that's truly worthless to society. Yeah. There. Apologies to all the homeschooling families who listen to this, perhaps in the vehicle, with their kids. I am sorry. There was a little bit of language in there I forgot about. But there you have it. Somebody, I can imagine, will say, well, yeah, right. I'm sure that's a thing. That happens. But consider with me the claims made, the things brought to light in China, the enemy within. Talking about 1989, China receiving most favored nation status as far as trade relations with the U.S. Our uncoupling of human rights abuses from our trade policy with China. North Korea? Why don't we have most favored nation status for North Korea? Why is that? Because North Korea brutalizes its people in vicious, horrible, awful ways. Why do we not have most favored nation status with Iran or Russia? It's very simple. Because they're our enemies. And so then we come to China and we ask, why do we have most favored nation status with China? Well, it's very simple. Because it's lucrative to the elites in this country. And also, it's acceptable that we would normalize a communist country, the preeminent communist country in the world, and facilitate its superpower status being actualized. It's very acceptable to leftists in this country that we would help a communist superpower come to be again in the uh, wake of the fall, the collapse of the Soviet Union. How much are you willing to gamble your children's future, your grandchildren's future, your future for that matter, with ambivalence, with dismissal, with overly convenient, all too comforting waving of the hand? Oh, that's conspiracy theory. No. How convenient, too, is it when you have a extremely, an extremely unpopular American president who's not quite all there, about whom there was a great deal of evidence of corruption prior to his taking the oath of office to be the president, current president of the United States, and then all of a sudden his DOJ starts putting out bulletins about terrorism, saying that supposedly false narratives about government actions, motives for government actions, are going to be linked with terrorism. Attacks on churches and mosques and synagogues, sporting events. So then they're going to go after supposed MDM, malinformation, disinformation, misinformation, as if it is terrorism. How very convenient for somebody who's as corrupt as Biden is, and for a whole lot of Democrat politicians and Republican politicians who are as corrupt 
as China, the enemy within, makes clear. Some very powerful, wealthy people sold our country out to make themselves wealthy and powerful. They sold us out to the Chinese, and we had better put an end to it. We had better put a stop to it, or else we're all going to be speaking Chinese and writing in Cyrillic. Don't be so quick to dismiss someone asking questions or bringing up uncomfortable facts or connecting dots in a way that is unexpected and discomforting. Don't be so quick to dismiss them as a conspiracy theorist. They might just turn out to be correct. And all that energy you expended trying to silence the conspiracy theorist, if the conspiracy turns out to be true, wouldn't that energy be better applied doing something about the actual conspiracy? How's that for an idea? I got to leave it there, though. That's all the time we've got for this episode. Let me know what you think in the comments. Hit subscribe. Follow on WordPress. Send me a message if you've got a question or a comment, an observation, if you disagree with anything I said here. But be praying for the family of Amanda Fenton, who just recently passed away, wife and mother, my cousin. Stay safe out there. Keep your stick on the ice. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.